Hey, good afternoon, everybody. It's Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church, a Reformed Pastor. I uh, hope you guys are having an awesome, awesome, awesome afternoon. I know, I'm running a little bit late. Uh, I had to set up my podcasting stuff as I was uh, starting and stuff, so I'm a little bit off today. So guys, please, just please, please bear with me. Um, hey, just a, an announcement before we get started. Guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We have a whole intercessory prayer team that is set up that will pray over your prayer requests. So utilize that, right? We love, we're a praying church. We believe prayer is essential. So guys, please go to madefreechurch.org and put in your prayer request and we can go from there. Guys, we're going to continue our study in the book of Romans. We're going to be in five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 11 and well it's just a it's just an awesome book so let's just get into it right let's bow our head and pray heavenly father we just get come before you lord and we just ask god that you do a mighty work heavenly father that you get me out of the way and let your word go forth lord and we just love you and we worship you in jesus name amen all right guys ah Oh, man, sucks getting old, let me tell you. Uh, everything hurts. <laughs> anyway, um, let's get started with this. You know, during the spring of 57 AD, the Apostle Paul was living in Corinth at the home of his convert and good friend Gaius. Paul was completing the last leg of his uh, third missionary journey, right? So he was soon to he was soon to go back to uh, Jerusalem and deliver a financial gift uh, from the Macedonian churches you know to the Jerusalem church so you know Paul's long-term desire was um oh, hold on one second All right, sorry about that. Um, so, you know, he, he wanted to go on his fourth missionary journey to Spain, and he planned to visit Rome along the way. So, you know, he wrote the Roman church um, about his desire to go to Spain. But the main purpose of his, of, of, of his writing um, was... Uh, Sorry, uh, my brother my got got a little bit of distractions here. My bad, so he kind of put me off. All right, so uh, is to clarify the good news of God. You know, after the after beginning his letter with his customary greeting, Paul wrote that all people are sinners, right? Um, and God is angry with us, right? And and we all 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 under that uh, his just condemnation we're guilty we deserve to be punished and we're desperately needs in god we're desperately in need of god's righteousness if we were to come into right relationship with him but god in love made provision for us to receive his righteousness and he sent his son jesus christ 
to take upon himself the punishment that we so richly deserve. See, the good news of God is that we can come into right relationship with God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So, you know, if we're if if we will now just rely totally on Jesus Christ for forgiveness of our sins, God will remove our guilt from us, right? And he will legally declare us not guilty and that is called justification by faith. Um and that is what the apostle Paul explained in his in the first four chapters of his letter of to the letter of the Romans, right? Now, he begins chapter 5. Paul writes about the blessings of justification. Having explained how we receive justification, now he explains what justification gives us. In Romans 5, verse 1 through 11, we read several several blessings of justification, beginning with the peace of God in Romans 5, 1. So let's read Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, paying special attention to verse 1 in our text today, okay? It says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have, res- we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, though whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into grace in which we stand and we boast in hope of the glory of God and not only this but also uh, boast in our afflictions knowing that affliction brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character proven character hope Uh, and hope does not uh, put in and hope does not put to shame because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been who was given to us. For a while we were weak, we were still weak, and at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone dare to even die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we're yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we have we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. <clears throat> for if while we were enemies, we are we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Many years ago, Look Magazine ran a personality uh, feature titled Peace of Mind. Right, 16 prominent Americans were asked, how they were able to find peace of mind and set in, in our stressful world. And the, arg- the, the, the article consisted of their answers. Jane Minchner, an author of many best-selling books, right, said that he found peace by taking his two dogs for a walk along old streams into the fields that have not been plowed 
for half a century. Barry Goldwater, a former senator of Arizona and a Republican presidential can candidate, said that he found peace in his hobbies, like, you know, photography, boating, flying, capping, above, but abo above all, walking in the Grand Canyon. A former, uh, former uh, CBS anchorman, Walter Cronkite, found peace and solitude, usually in going to the sea by a small boat. Margaret Mead, a well-known anthropologist and author of A Coming of Age in Samoa, sought a change of pace and scene. Sammy Davis Jr., one of my favorites, uh, he found peace in looking and good in people. Bill Moyers, a former television personality and press secretary to Lyndon B. Johnson, tried to find peace in family reunion, usually in some remote and quiet retreat. Now, as I read these answers, I'm struck with how subjective and dependent upon favorable circumstances most of those pre uh, pre approaches were. But I note something else. Although each of these prominent Americans differed in his or her uh, methods, all were nevertheless seeking peace of mind and recognized that pursuing it was important. No one considered a search for peace to be irrelevant or unimportant. What is it that people are most seeking in life? once their basic needs are satisfied, right? Some say seeking freedom. Moment of, of natural liberation are usually the base, a, a base on, you know, on intense human desire, right? But Americans are free. We have been free from foreign domination for over 200 years and our constitution and our legal system affirm our individual liberties. Yet most people are restless and discontent, or even even more so, as living under a strongly oppressive regimes. Right? It is well. Is 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 it wealth that secular uh, uh, people are seeking? One of the richest men in the world said, "I thought money could buy happiness, but I have been miserably disillusioned." Others seek fulfillment in education, fame, sex, power. But most are discontented even when they attain such goals. Right? Why is that? It's because what people are uh, what people are really seeking in peace and the ultimate and genuine peace is found in right relationship with Jesus with, with God. Even conservative talk show Rush Limbaugh. He's not noted as a theologian in his answer to the interviewer's questions on how a person can be happy. And he said, following Jesus, Jesus holds the answer to all of the everyday problems that you face. I am talking about acceptance and belief in Jesus, heaven and God. The quest for happiness is often centered in materialism and wealth. Anyone who has, who has had those things will tell you they that they did not contribute to an internal happiness or self-satisfaction at all. You know, in my own life, I've I've experienced that, right? I have. I've experienced it. You know, I've, I've had all the money. I've had all that stuff. And nothing, 
nothing was worth it. And nothing brought me any happiness or satisfaction at all. You know, the great Africa, uh, North African Christian, St. Augustine, expressed at best 1,500 years ago when he wrote his, 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 his famous confessions. You made us for yourself. And this is what it says. You made us for yourself and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. In the first four chapters of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, he explained how sinners come to rest in God. In Romans 5, he begins to explain the blessings of justification by faith. And so, beginning today, I would like to describe the blessings of justification by faith, the first of which is the peace of God. Now, we begin today. Now, let us notice in the first place our position in Christ. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 5.1a, that's the beginning of the verse, Therefore, having been justified by faith. The Apostle Paul begins by stating our position in Christ. If we are Christians, then we have been justified by faith. The Westminster Shorter Catechism states, Justification is an act of God's free grace, wherein he pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteousness, as righteous in his sight. Only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Have you ever seen an illustration sometimes used um, with children uh, of, the, of the three crosses of Calvary of Jesus and the two thieves? It goes like this. Over one cross is written, in but not on. One on another cross is written, on but not in. And on the third cross is written, in and on. What does that mean? Well, the, these statements are speaking of sin, right? Uh, the, the penitent thief, the one who, after initially reviling Jesus, right, suddenly became repentant and cast himself on the mercy of Jesus, trusted Jesus and asked for forgiveness. From that point on, he had he had sin in him, but not on him. His guilt was removed. His sin was transferred to Jesus. On the next cross, Jesus had sin on him, but not uh, Jesus had sin on him, but not in him. He was the Lamb of God without spot or blemish. The the the, the pendant thief's sin and ours was placed on him was credited to him and he was and he was punished for it right <laughs> the impenitent thief on the third cross he did not turn to Jesus in repentance and faith he did not cast himself on the mercy of Christ for salvation thus he had sin in him and on him he, and when he died he suffered the penalty for that sin that was still on him what about you? Is sin still in, but not on you? Or is sin, or is it still in you and on you? 
it is by faith that we receive justification. It, it, it's, it is by doing what the penitent thief did, turning to Jesus and saying, I accept your claim. I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Lord and Savior of sinners, and I trust you alone for my salvation. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's Luke 23:42 by the way. Jesus is the only one whose righteousness is accepted by the Father. When we believe that the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ is credited to us and that our sin has been paid by Jesus, then we are justified by faith and our position is in Christ. But what are the blessings of justification? What are our possessions in Christ? The Apostle Paul said in 5.1b, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we, are, we have certain possessions. A fascinating study is discovered all of the possessions that we have in Christ. And I want, if you want to be amazed at all that we have in Christ, Take a concordance and study all we have references in scripture and you'll be blown away by all the blessings we have in Christ. In this position, in this portion of God, at God's word, the apostle Paul mentions several of our possessions, possessions in Christ. Today, I want to simply notice the first of our possessions in Christ, right? Our first possession in Christ is peace with God. The Apostle Paul said in 5.1b, Therefore, since we're justified by faith, we have peace with God. See, it's, it's very important to note that the Bible speaks of peace with God and also of the peace of God. Peace with God is not the same as peace of God. What's the difference? Peace of God is described in Philippians 4, 6-7, where Paul said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is having calm and satisfied frame of heart, and the mind in the midst of troubles and pressures. The peace of God is peace with regards to the cares of life. It's, it's subjective. On the other hand, peace with God means that there was a state of hostility between God and us, right? Which is now over, right? Peace with God is peace with the regard to God. It's objective, right? It happens whether or not we feel happy and secure, right? This means that until we're, until, until we are justified by faith, our salvation, there's a war going on between God and us. Before justification, let's see, somebody just said, hey, what's up, Fernando? It's been a while, brother. Hope you're doing well, my boy. Good to see you. 
<clears throat> before justification, before salvation, we are not only breaking God's law, but we are also assumed the right or the authority to do so. In other words, we claim kingship over ourselves and our world, but God also claims kingship over us. And whenever two parties claim kingship and authority over something, there is a war. But the more than that, it's the means that God has a problem with us, right? It's not just that we're hostile to him. Paul told us that God's wrath is upon us. In Romans 1.18, he says this, For the wrath of God revealed from heaven against uh, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, sur uh, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. But now, in Romans 5.10, we're told that we're reconciled to God, which indicates that God's anger has been taken away. God's wrath, as, as we observed in Romans 1.18, is, is not the same as ours. God's wrath is not vengeful or vindictive. God's wrath is rather legal, right? So there's, there's a sentence of death upon us, and it cannot be discarded or ignored. The penalty cannot just be wished away, but by the death of Jesus, we have been reconciled to God. And the righteous and the glory, excuse me, and the glorious blessing is that now that we have peace with God. Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones pointed out in his commentary to Romans 5, he said this There is no peace between man and God until he grasps this doctrine of justification. It is the only way to peace. We must come to that point where we're able to say, I recognize that God is holy and I'm a sinner. I deserve to die and pay the penalty for my sin. I deserve the wrath and condemnation of God. I deserve to go to hell for all eternity. But by the amazing grace, God sent his son Jesus and he paid the penalty for all my sin. The father's justice has been satisfied. He can now forgive me and even though that I'm an unworthy sinner. It's pretty cool, man, if you ask me. People today don't have hope anymore. They just don't. And when we are able to say and truly believe that Jesus died for us, we're justified and we now have peace with God. On March 10th, 1974, Lieutenant Huro Anada was the last World War II Japanese soldier to surrender, right? Anada had been left on the, the Lubang Island in the Philippines on December 25th, 1944, with the command to carry on the mission even if Jap Japan surrenders, right? Four other Japanese soldiers were left on the island as Japan uh, evacuated Lubang. Right. One soldier um, Sorry about that. I don't even know what that even was. Um, one soldier surrendered in 1950. The other was killed in a skirmish with local police in 1954. The other was killed in 1972 and a nada continued 
his war alone. All efforts to convince him to surrender or to capture him failed. Right? He ignored messages from loudspeakers announcing Japan had surrendered and that Japan was now an ally of the United States. Leaflets were dropped over the jungle begging him to surrender so he can return to Japan. Right? He refused to believe or to surrender. Over the years, he lived off the land and raided fields and gardens of local citizens. He was responsible for killing 30 Filipinos during his 29-year personal war. Almost a half a million dollars was spent to locate and convince him to surrender. Right? 13,000 men were used to try to locate him. On March 10th, 1974, almost 30 years after World War II had ended, Anata surrendered his rusty sword after receiving a personal command from his former superior officer who read the terms of peace. Anata handed over his sword to President Marcos of the Philippines who pardoned him and his war was over. Anata was 22 years old when he left, when, it, when he was left on that island. He returned to Japan, prematurely aged man of 52. Anata stated nothing pleasant happened in the 29 years in that jungle. Like Anata, all people are fighting a war against God. Jesus offers peace and reconciliation to all who will receive it. The terms of the peace are worse sealed by the blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. <laughs> and when we accept those terms of peace and believe that Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sin and that his righteousness is his credit to our account, we have peace with God. You know, I want you to notice that the peace we have with God is through our Lord Jesus Christ in Romans 5.1. All of our blessings come through Christ. We do not receive a single blessing that is not apart from the relationship with Christ. Our access to God is through the meditorial work of Christ. And the blessings from God is through also through the meditorial work of Christ. And finally, there is such thing as false peace. What is false peace? Let me suggest several characteristics of false peace. First, false peace is characterized by simply giving an intellectual sense of the gospel. Some people understand that God is holy and that we are sinners. They know that Christ lived a perfect life, died and paid for our sins. But as far as it goes, true peace is much deeper than that. It is not merely having an understanding of the gospel and assenting to the truth of the gospel. It's entrusting oneself to Christ. As Martin Luther once said, faith is not saying Jesus died for sinners but really saying that and believing Jesus died for me. And second, false peace is characterized by the interest only in forgiveness and not righteousness. A person who has false peace only wants to be forgiven. He does not want to go to hell. He only wants fire insurance, right? 
He's only concerned about the negative side. True peace is concerned about the positive as well. It is not merely wanting forgiveness, but wanting to live in the light of that forgiveness. It involves a heart transformation and a desire to walk in holiness before God and being holy. And third, uh, false peace is characterized by a low view of sin. A person who has false peace sins and says, oh, that's okay. The blood of Christ covers me. And he gets up and goes on if nothing has happened. True peace has a high view of sin. A person who has true peace with God is troubled that there should now be any appearance of rebellion by his sin against God. He is troubled that Anything on his part would break fellowship with the with the ones with with the one whose son died to secure that peace. But what are the characteristics of two, true peace? Well, let me suggest some characteristics of two peace. First, true peace is characterized by soberness. A person who has peace with God has a glimpse of hell and realizes that. There is only one person that he is that that he is not bound for hell, and that is someone else, Jesus Christ. He went to hell in his place. Second true peace is characterized by gratitude. A person who who has peace with God is constantly thankful to God for His amazing grace. He deserves to pay the penalty for his sin for all eternity, but instead God declared him not guilty. He cannot help but living the rest of his life in gratitude for the gift of eternal life that was given to him when he didn't deserve it. Right? Third, true peace uh, Third, true peace is characterized by joy. A person who has peace with God says with the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 1.8 and though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not, you did not see him now, but you believe in him. You rejoice with joy inexpressibly full of glory. The fourth true peace is characterized by holiness. A person who has peace with God agrees with the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1 verses uh, 3 through 4. Blessed is, blessed be God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we may be holy and blameless before him in love. The first blessing of justification is peace with God. And it says this in verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. I pray that you have been justified by faith and that you have peace with God. Amen. Guys, I hope you guys are, I know it's, it, this is, I've been stumbling through. I apologize, but yeah, that's some things come up and I was in a rush to get on. So that's, that's my fault. Anyway. Guys, that's it. We're done. Um, yeah. 
Guys, uh, we are planning a church here in, in Idaho. And if you guys would like to support us, please go to madefreechurch.org. Go to the Made Free Church Idaho tab and give through our PayPal account. We need a pulpit. We need chairs. We have the building, I think. Uh, but we need all the rest of the stuff. So if you guys can give, please leave your email addresses so we can send you a tax-deductible receipt. And guys, I want to thank you for being here. I, I know... I'm not going to go on with the other announcements today. It's whatever. Anyway, God bless you guys. You guys have a great day. Rest of your day. God bless. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, God. We thank you for the opportunity that we get just to spend time with you. Even though this lowly pastor here stumbles through his words, Lord, we just want to worship you today. We just want to say thank you for all the beautiful blessings. In Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Guys, go in peace. God bless. You guys have a great evening.